Morning, Senior Pastor. This is the day that morning, the Lord Pastor. has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. How are you, sir? Pretty good. The Lord is good. Beautiful day. Amen. It's, it is such a beautiful day. Um, we are going to be looking at Isaiah 54 and Isaiah 55. I don't even know if we'll have enough time to do it great justice. There's so much to glean from these two chapters. Um, of course, you know, knowing that, that infamous uh, scripture that everyone always quotes, um, actually, uh, Fred Hammond actually made a song, um, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. That is a, a scripture that kind of rolls off the tongue of uh, many Christians today. So we are going to be looking um, at these uh, two chapters um, regarding God's compassion for all people. We're going to have three sections, as we always do, God's everlasting mercy and kindness. Um, and that is from Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 10. Uh, kind of splitting it in two uh, with the second section, God's promise to his people, Isaiah 54, verses 11 through 17. And then finally, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 55, God's invitation to the nations, God's invitation to the nations. And as I was kind of going through this lesson, there is a, a central truth that um, we, uh, well, we should look at, and it's that God is full of love and compassion for all people. God is full of love and compassion for all people. But, you know, we know this through the many scriptures we have read, um, especially John 3, verse 16. Um, but what kind of troubles me, as I'm going through the lesson, I'm like, yes, God is compassionate. God is loving. God is caring, so forth, so on. But what troubles me is the overemphasis that God's people tend to have uh, juxtaposed to God's judgment. God's love juxtaposed to God's judgment and correction. Um, I believe there ought to be a measurable balance between the two. Yes, God uh, is love. Yes, God has compassion. But also, God is a God of judgment. And that's what we saw in Isaiah 52 going into Isaiah 53, that God was a God of judgment over Israel, um, over Judah. And the things that they did um, to reject him, to reject his love, to reject um, his mercy. Um, but Hebrews 12, verse 6 says, Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Uh, just like a parent who corrects their child uh, because of love, so it is with God. He corrects us because he loves us. And there are times when we find ourselves in situations and we're not quite sure how we got there. Uh, and you reminded me of this senior pastor this past week, that God has a permissive will as well as uh, God has uh, what we would call a submissive will. submissive will. There are two types of wills, permissive and submissive. Um, and he permits us to do things 
uh, sometimes that are not good for us uh, because he wants to teach us a lesson. And there are times um, if we just submit to his will, then, you know, the things that happen in our life won't necessarily happen uh, because his agenda, uh, his plans are not our plans, his ways are not always, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And once we keep that uh, in the forefront of our minds, then wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever decisions we make are going to be grounded in his will because he is directing us, he is controlling us. Um, he's preparing the way or the path for us. Um, but after the graphic description of suffering in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54 presents an entirely different tone. Uh, the, the prophet turns his attention to the glorious future of Israel. With encouraging words, the Lord calls on his people to trust him. Now, this chapter chapter 54, speaks of a time of restoration when his people who had forsaken him returned to a right relationship with him. And I pray that, that those individuals that have called into this line, I pray that for you, that, there, that you return and that you be restored to a right relationship with God. Ultimately, the Lord will establish the millennial kingdom the strength of which will be righteousness. No foe will be successful in any conquest of his people. For, as we see in verse 17, no weapon formed against them, against you, against us, against the church, will prosper. Isaiah 55 is one of the great invitation chapters of the Bible. The Lord calls the needy to come to him. The word come appears three times in verse 1, where it says, Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. The prophet continues his theme, the prophet Isaiah continues his theme, that a glorious future awaits the people of God if they walk in obedience to him. His appeal to them is to look beyond earthly riches and discover the true riches available to them through God's redeeming power. Billy Graham said this, um, there is nothing wrong with man possessing riches. The wrong comes when riches possess men. I'll say that again. There is nothing wrong with men possessing riches. The wrong comes when riches possess men. Uh, true riches are found in God through God's redeeming power. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 verse 7, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, listen, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness 
toward us in Christ Jesus. Listen, God's mercy and kindness is everlasting. God's mercy and kindness is everlasting. And as outlined in Isaiah 54, verse 1 through 3, senior pastor, you're going to go ahead and and take that up. God's everlasting mercy and kindness. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, what a beautiful lesson. And I think that all of us as Christians should pay attention to this. Because the words of God speak to us, and I'm a little bit scratchy today with my voice. But um, hopefully you're getting the message. And I like what you said, Pastor Hohan. I need for us to put this in our cranium, that there is a glorious future. May I repeat, there is a glorious future that awaits the people of God if we walk in obedience to him. I want to repeat that again. There is a glorious future. Things not going to remain the way they are. We're not going to suffer like what we suffer now. But when it's all said and done, there is a glorious future that awaits the people of God if we walk in obedience to him. And um, you also said that we were moving away from the graphic description of Isaiah 53 that we talked about last week, where he was wounded for our transgression. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are all healed. And um, we sucked that up last week, and we can turn our attention to the glorious future, as we just said, that awaits us. The Lord is calling on his people to trust in him because he's speaking of a time of restoration when his people who had forsaken him return to a right relationship with him. And relationship is very important. If there's not a good and a right relationship in marriage and in the home, we have trouble, trouble in the barnyard. But we want to have a right relationship with him. And I also want to stress this underlying theme for this week lesson, God's compassion for all people. He did not segregate. He's not from the Ku Klux Klan. He's not a white supremacist. He has compassion for all people, regardless of color, race, or creed. And thank God he has broken down the middle walls of partition. We are no more foreigners or sojourners or strangers, but we are fellow citizens and joined here with Jesus Christ. So we want to thank him this morning for his everlasting mercy and kindness. Nobody else but Jesus. And um, I cannot overemphasize his mercy and his kindness. And we always sing. I I, um, quoted it this morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassionate, thy compassion they fail not, as, as thou hast been, forever will be great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness morning by morning. Your mercies I see. All I have needed, thy great hand have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Are we paying attention? He's a God of enlargement. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, where he wants to make everything good for you. Whatever you're going through, the devil meant it for your harm. But God meant it for your good. He is a God of enlargement. He wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you flourish. But sometimes we don't do that because we are out of God's will. And I, I like all these prophets, they had a way of addressing God's people in Isaiah 54, 1 to 3. Isaiah said, sing. And who should sing? Oh, thou who art barren. The prophet had a way of addressing God's people. Singing and music meant a lot to them. They love music. They love the art. And here Isaiah is addressing them. Those who are turned away from God, his will, said, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry, cry aloud, that thou didst not, didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. And what was happening here? If you have been reading the scripture, it was disappointing. It was troubling for a woman who had no children or no child, for those who couldn't bear children. And Hannah here was an example. Not being able to bear children left her distraught. And you remember that when they went up to offer sacrifice, that she was always at the altar. And the prophet even accused her of being drunk. But she said, not so, my Lord. I'm just a woman of agony because I'm childless. But when she was blessed with the son, her heart was filled with joy. Read it in First Samuel chapter 1 and 2. She was filled with joy and she returned the child and gave thanks unto the Lord. And here he was speaking to Israel who found in themselves in a situation similar to that of the barren woman. And sometimes we find ourselves into that, barren. Um, the nation despondency is expressing Isaiah 49, 4. And the church, Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forsaken me. 
But here the prophet had good news for the nation. And here we have good news for you, sunshine. We have good news for you who are, who are barren. Those who feel despondent this morning. I want to bring to you joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to bring to you good news this morning. In his providence, in God's divine care, God will enable you to have a host of children. Um, giving you cause to sing and rejoice. And I know that a lot of us are concerned about our local church. Oh, we're not growing like how we should. There's nothing new under the sun, but I bring to you this morning good news that there's going to come a time, a time when the barren shall sing, a time when the barren shall have children, a time when the church will rise up and have a host of children and we will be able to sing and rejoice here. Zion couldn't get her praise on. Her growth, her spiritual decline set in. But oh, the Lord wants to remind us today, whatever you're going through, that is going to enlarge in your tent in which you live and prepare you for the increase the Lord is going to bring about. I feel increase coming to the church of God. I feel increase coming to sunshine. I feel increase coming to your marriage. I feel increase coming to your home. So great will the Lord bless you that you will be faced with an overpopulation problem. Yay, my friend, your overflowing population will spread out to other nations and cities that are now in ruins because there will not be enough room for them in their homeland. And he's saying the same thing to America this morning, that although you're in tatters, although you're in ruins, oh, get ready, because if you're faithful to God, God is going to bless and prosper you. In Galatians 4.27, the Apostle Paul quoted Isaiah 54, verse 1, and applied its message to the church of God, is that he's still a God of enlargement. He wants his people to grow and mature in him. And it's for you too as an individual. You're not maturing enough. You're not growing fast enough. You're looking at other people. But what about your own situation? He wants you to mature until we get to that level of maturity in him that you're not easily moved, that you are so matured that something you can, you can shake your head and go by and glorify God. He wants us to reach out to a wider circle than we have ever reached before. Our challenge today is to carry the message of Christ to all people. And this includes our neighbor next door and those who live in the land we may never visit personally. We need to dwell on that. Most of all, do we evangelize? Are we lazy Christian? Have you brought anybody to Christ? Or are you stagnant and barren? Oh, sing, oh, barren. Because help is on the way. 
sing, O barren, for you shall have children. Remember St. John chapter 14. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit is hewn down and cast into the lake of fire. Yes, my friends, he has divine compassion and everlasting love, says Isaiah. He said in verse 7, For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In verse 8, and I think Pastor Ho read it this morning, in a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting, and everlasting mean it goes on, everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. It's not being said by the president or the president-elect. It's not being said by the governor, but it's said by the Lord, thy Redeemer. Oh, yes, in their distress and in their sorrow, God replied, although I have forsaken thee for a small moment, but yet with great mercy will I gather thee. He's gathering us this morning. Although we cannot physically meet together, God is doing a gathering. We will see it come to pass when we are able to meet again. The language Isaiah uses, uses reminded us of Hosea and the return of his practical wife. Oh, yes, his prostitute wife. God told Hosea to marry her again. And God is getting ready to marry the backsliding children. He's saying this morning, you have nothing to fear as to your disgraceful past. So great will be the glory of your future that the shame you felt, uh, oh, because you had no children, will be forgotten. Isaiah described her husband as her maker, the Lord of hosts, the God of the whole earth. He is also referred to as a redeemer. As I apply this term to God 13 times, and three times he, got, he called Israel the redeemed. And we are redeemed this morning, not with silver, not with gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Isaiah makes it clear that the Lord will restore the people, and it will be like the restoration of a wandering wife. Oh, the Lord acknowledged that. For a short time, he had forsaken his people. He doesn't say why he forsook them here. But elsewhere on several occasions, Isaiah explains what happened. God's action resulted from the sins of his people. Return unto me this morning. For a brief moment, God hid his face from his people. But in compassion and tender care, he remembered them. He is remembering you this morning. Sunshine, he remembers you this morning. He says in everlasting love, he showed himself to be steadfast and reliable. Oh, yes, my friend. He is going to bring up about divine restoration. And here, Max Lacardo, and Pastor Ho mentioned him this morning. In his book of grace, he said, you are loved by your maker, not because you try to please him and succeed, 
or fail to please him and apologize. But oh no, my friend, you are loved because he wants to be your father. Nothing more. You can no more make him what you want than you can convince him to abandon you. He loves you this morning with an everlasting love. And he's bringing about divine restoration. As Sister Blossom prayed last week, oh, that um, for restoration, restore the years that the canker worm had eaten. And God is getting ready, hallelujah, to bring restoration. Those who have fallen by the way, those who have forsaken him. But if you will return this morning with sorrow him, he will restore you. Verse 10 of chapter 54 of Isaiah, he said, For the mountain shall depart, and the hills will be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee, O what a God. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that had mercy on thee. If there was any question in the minds of God's people as to whether he would fulfill his promise of restoration, he is reminding us this morning. He reminds them of the promise he made to Noah. Oh, yes, that he wouldn't. He would put a rainbow in the cloud. He would not again destroy the world with water. But he has kept that promise. He makes the same kind of solemn promise to Israel. His promise is that his people will walk in his favor and enjoy unchanging blessing. And underlie that word, favor. God is giving us favor is compassionate fail not god is giving us favor that's why we are not consumed the favor of the lord is upon you yes god made a covenant with noah after the flood and now he pledges to make a covenant of peace with you and with israel oh yes the mountains may crumble and the hills may be flattened but this covenant of peace will never be broken. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. God will give his people lasting peace. When peace, like a river, attended my ways. When sorrow, like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul this morning? Yes, sunshine, the God, the grace of God is a covenant of peace. Can I say this again? The grace of God is a covenant of peace. And you have his grace, which gives you peace. It brings us salvation that we didn't deserve. We have done nothing to deserve redemption. But it comes to us because of his grace. Oh, yes, and his mercy in this covenant of peace. The Lord offers us peace, wholeness, peace, whole peace, peace that the world can't take from you. Yes, Christ is the Prince of Peace. Oh, yes, he's the Prince of Peace. And he gives you peace this morning. Remember that grace is his faithfulness. Oh, yes, 
Thy great is thy faithfulness morning by morning. New mercies I see. Oh, yes, you have given us many promises this morning. Take it away, Pastor. Oh, God's promises to his people, a covenant of peace. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sina Pastor. You're getting me excited there for a minute. For a minute. Uh, God's promise to his people. Isaiah 54, verse 11 through 12. This is actually one of my favorite uh, scriptures. Um, And, you know, in going through this lesson, it reminded me of how good God is and how faithful he is to his covenant and to his people. It says, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. Verse 12, and I will make thy windows of gates and thy gates of carbuncles, sorry, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. Here, Isaiah acknowledges the plight of the people of God exiled from their homeland. We always hear the saying, there is no place like home. For in your home, you can do as you please. You are not a stranger. You know where everything is. But when you are in another person's home or on someone else's property, you must abide by their rules and conduct. And this is exactly what was happening with the children of Israel. They were occupying someone else's property. They should not have been there. How many times have we been in positions where we find, you know, we find ourselves in a situation or in a position where we should not be where we are? or we weren't supposed to be at this place at this particular time. And because of our disobedience, because we didn't listen to the voice of God, we end up in a position, in a situation that we can't come out of. But God here was so faithful that he was saying, even though you are in the position where you are, I was the one that orchestrated it for your benefit, for your good. I allowed you to be captured. I put you in exile because you, did, you, forsook, you forsook me. You didn't listen to me. So the people of God here were in exile because of their own doing. Amen. They didn't listen. We talked about this at length last week. They didn't listen to God. How many of us are in, a, in that same predicament right now where we find ourselves in a situation because we did not listen to God? But the beauty about this assurance is that God says, even though I know it's a terrible situation, I'm going to bring you out of it. I have made a way for you. Oh, thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, because they were in the comforts of their own home. And because of their disobedience, 
they were they were exiled and now the comforts that they had experienced they are no longer experiencing but god says i'm going to bring you out i'm going to make a way of escape the lord speaks to his people out of great compassion and pledges to rebuild them as he might rebuild a city he will use precious stones and costly materials in the rebuilding process. That's how valuable he considers you to be. That he will take precious stones and use costly materials in this rebuilding process. So hold on. Be of good courage. He is going to rebuild you. He is going to strengthen you. The interpretation of this, according to the Benson commentary, simply means exceedingly beautiful and pure, stable and glorious. Stable. I wanted to dwell on that a little bit because there are times when, you know, as my father used to say, uh, you know, we find our lives and, and, and you know, our, our lives are, tipsy-turvy, I think was the phrase that he would use. And we are constantly unstable. And the Bible tells us that a, 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 a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And when we find ourselves on the other side, not listening to God, not paying attention to what God says, our life becomes unstable. It is out of whack. We have... We, we have we have no stability. There is no beauty. There is no joy. There is no gladness. Our life just becomes an absolute mess because we're not listening to what God is saying. Uh, bishop Loth, who was a, uh, he was a bishop in, in the Church of England, justly observes, these seem to be general images to express beauty, magnificence, purity, strength, and solidity. Uh, God is going to bring us to a place of beauty, magnificence, purity, strength, and solidity. He's going to stabilize us. He's going to make us relevant again. And I'm not only saying this to the church at Sunshine, but I'm also saying it to each of us as individuals. Yes, your life is a mess right now. There is nothing beautiful in it. You're, you know, it's not pure. It's unstable. It's not glorious. But we're here seeing that God is getting ready to do something beautiful, something magnificent, something pure. He's going to give you strength. He's going to make you stable again. He's going to make you relevant again. And you are going to be the product of his salvation. Now, we must understand, uh, in Revelation 21, 18 through 21, John paints a picture of the eternal city, because we're not only talking about here in the now, in the present, we're also looking at our eternal destiny. John says the wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. 
The great street of the city was gold, as pure, as transparent glass. That's the city we're looking for. And I'm pretty sure in our life, at some point, we have seen beautiful uh, buildings and edifices and structures. Uh, we, have, we have seen skyscrapers. We, you know, we have seen so many things that we have built that are beautiful and wonderful structures. This is going to be something that is even more beautiful than the most beautiful structure that you've ever seen. Isn't that wonderful? We're talking about the promise that God has given unto his people. So how can storm-battered and troubled people find hope? How? Though we are storm-battered and troubled, God will rebuild us. God will rebuild our home. There are some homes right now that are going through a lot. I've heard the stories. I've seen things. I have coworkers that have gone through great tragedy over the past few months. We have individuals that have lost loved ones. They're talking about, you know, there is a hike in, in, in the cases of depression. There are... are, are relationships and marriages that are in trouble. There are children that are leaving homes. There are things that are happening beyond our control, things that we would not have ever imagined, pestilences, wars and rumors of wars. There are things that are happening that we have no control over. Our homes are a mess. They are in shambles. Right? But God is saying that he will rebuild us. God is saying that he will rebuild our home. I'm not a prophet. I've never claimed to be. But I want this word of prophecy to go forward. That in this year, when everything else is failing, when all other homes are breaking, and, uh, breaking apart and are being torn apart, God is looking at your home and he's saying to you, I will rebuild you. I will rebuild your home. So don't be discouraged. This is a promise that I have given unto you, a promise that you will see in due season. Isaiah 54, 13 through 14 says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be thy peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near thee. It shall not come near thee. Today, his peace comes to all who will follow him. John 16, verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, listen to this, you will have tribulation. Your home is going to be a mess at times. You're going to be uncertain of the future at times. Things are going to be difficult at times. But, listen to what Jesus says, be of good cheer. 
Yes. For I have overcome the world. I'm going to read the scripture again. So I hope that you kind of think about what these words mean. These things Jesus has spoken to you, that in him you may have peace. Notice, outside of him there is no peace. But in him you will have peace. In the world, this is the distinction he's making. Because if you're not in him, then you're in the world. In the world, you will have tribulation. It didn't say you may. It says you will. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. So when you're going through tribulation, be of good cheer. Why? Why should I be of good cheer? I'm going through tribulation. My house is a mess. Things aren't going the way I want, wanted them to, to go. All the plans that I've, I made from last year going into this year, they're, they're, they're not working out. My relationship with my, my spouse is a mess. My, my children, you know, there's chaos in the house. Why should I be of good cheer? Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. You see, the millennial kingdom will, by the grace of God, be home to a righteous people. Every believer should look forward to the day when righteousness and holiness will be the order of the day, when peace will prevail, when opposition and terror will not even come near and we will be secure and prosperous under the Messiah's reign. That's our hope. That's why we do what we do. Now, James Dobson says the Creator has given to us the awesome responsibility of representing him to our children. Our Heavenly Father is a God of unlimited love, and our children must become acquainted with his mercy and tenderness through our own love toward them. We must bear witness to our children. We must speak of the goodness of the Lord all the time to our children. Because one thing that I found out as a parent is that the children, our children have not yet experienced what we have already experienced. And so they're green. They're immature. They don't know exactly what to expect. But we must speak of those things which God has delivered us from continuously and, uh, and, and, and persistently in their ears so that when, because remember what the Bible says, remember what we were just told, in the world you will have tribulation. That's not just for adults. That's for children as well. Everybody is going to experience tribulation. But if we stay with God, we will experience great joy and great peace. Peace will prevail. Right? And opposition and terror will not come nigh our dwelling. We will be secure and prosperous under the Messiah's reign because we believe that Jesus is coming back again to set all things wrong and make them right. So what is the heritage of the servants of the Lord? Well, we find that in Isaiah 54 verse 17. It says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. 
What is the heritage of the, the servants of the Lord? What is your heritage? As a servant of the Lord, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. There is a reason God's people will enjoy this wonderful provision at his hand. It is the fruit of their God-given righteousness. When the servants of the Lord are attacked physically or verbally, the Lord declares he will vindicate them. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. When Satan comes, listen to this, when Satan comes against God's people, he is also coming against the Lord who always prevails. As in Jamaica we say we have good backative. When Satan comes against us, he's also coming against God. When Satan comes against the people of God, he is also coming against God. And we are reminded that in every battle, God prevails. In every single battle, where the captain of the host is Jesus, we prevail. That's something that we should be thankful for. Wherever you are right now, you should be jumping up and down in your house and saying, yes, this is my assurance. God is going to work it out for my good. God is going to make a way for me. I don't, you know, this is kind of selfish now. I don't care about anybody else. My situation, God, is dire, and I need you to work it out. And God is saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to work it out. But you have to do your part in coming to him. And there's an invitation, God's invitation to the nations, God's invitation to you, senior pastor. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we are almost getting ready, Pastor Ho, to close off this segment. We have a little way to go. Um, but this is the preacher's mantle, the church's mandate. We never preach a message. We never end the service without giving an invitation. And God is also extending an invitation not only to individuals but to the nations everybody whosoever will may come swing your heart doors widely open he will enter he will enter in your heart today oh turn to jesus today and this is his invitation it is an incomparable offer from Isaiah 55, verse 1 to 5. It's the next segment that we will take up here. And here is God's call. God's call to the nation. God's call to individual. Whether you're a man, woman, a boy, or a girl, if you don't know him as Savior, 
if you're just playing church, amen, if you have not been keeping the will of God, if you have not been obeying the Bible, here is this call today. Nobody else can compare this offer to this. Verse 1 of Isaiah 55. Oh, he's grabbing your attention. Oh, everyone that thirsted, regardless of race, regardless of color, regardless of creed. Oh, everyone that thirsted, whether you're rich, poor, educated, or uneducated, big, small, skinny, short, or tall, here is God's invitation to you. Oh, everyone that is thirsty, come to the waters. Amen. If you want your thirst to be quenched, come to the waters. And he that hath no money, do you want it better than that? (laughs) You don't need a job. (laughs) You don't need the money. But he that hath no money, come. Come ye buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore, verse 2, do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken, pay attention. Hearken diligently unto me, and heed he that which is good, and let your soul. The soul is very important to God. Amen. It is your soul that um, the Lord wants to come into your heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Your soul must delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, verse 3, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I... God will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Verse 4, Behold, look, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Verse 5, Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and the Holy One of Israel. For he hath glorified thee. Here the invitation is to the nation because he is your God, because of what he has done for you, because of how well you have extolled him and praised him, because of how well you can serve him. The nations will know him and run unto thee because of the Lord your God for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Oh, the Lord calls people to come to him. For what? For salvation, which may be obtained without monetary costs. Salvation was a thing that money could buy. The rich would have it and the poor would die. But you don't need no money to be saved. You don't need no money to have salvation. Come to him today. If you have no money, come. 
If you are thirsty, come. If you are sad, come. Amen. If you need satisfaction, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I would give thee rest. He wonders why people would seek salvation through any other means when he alone, God alone, can satisfy the longing of their soul in vain. And I don't have this apply to anybody today, but in vain, many, many nations, many people spent their hard-earned money through centuries on goods that never provide the nourishment of the soul need. Yes, we buy cars, we buy homes, we buy clothes, we buy furniture that does not satisfy the longing of the soul. Can I suggest to you this morning that the major thing that needs to be satisfied is the soul. If the soul is happy, then you will be happy. So go out. Go to Nordstrom. Go to Macy's. Go to any of the other places and buy the nicest dress and put it on. That will not satisfy you. Oh, yes, it will make you feel good for a while, but the only thing that will make you feel good is salvation. Yes, these who have done that, oh, in vain, they spend their hard-earned money to senses and good that never provide the nourishment the soul need. The finest food is only found at the table of the Lord. Jesus at the table spread. Brother Campbell always saying, come and dine. The master called you, come and dine. He had the table spread this morning with good things, uh, the best wine, the best food uh, that can satisfy your soul. Uh, I was young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor received, oh God, I'm getting work up here, nor received uh, begging bread. At this table, you will find divine doctrine and counsel, oh, which is true and produces everlasting good. Nothing, and I repeat, nothing compares to the joy that the gospel brings. Oh, if you want to be happy, come to be happy, come sit at this table. If you want joy, come sit at this table. If you want satisfaction, come sit at this table. Come to him today. If you're weak and weary, and sad, oh, come sit with him this morning. He's calling you this morning. If you are not happy, he's calling you this morning. As people see Christ in us, they will be drawn to him who alone is the Savior of the world. It will be with us as it was with the disciples of Christ. When the religious leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus and they were called Christians. Oh, Christ-like. Oh, because they have been with Jesus. I need us who are listening this morning. And I need those of us who call ourselves Christians 
to have higher thoughts of God. Oh, yes, he's not just a babe born in Bethlehem. He's not just a babe uh, born in a manger, but he's Christ the Lord. And here Isaiah has his call in verse 6. He said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What can you do this morning? What can you do to be saved? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. We must admit this morning, oh yes, that we have left the way of righteousness, but he's calling us to return to him that he will have mercy on us. We must not allow those opportunities of grace to pass. The Lord warned of a time when those opportunities will pass because I have called and he refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regardless. Then shall they call upon me if you refuse him. Oh, there's coming a time when you shall call upon him, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, says the wise man in Proverbs 1, 24 and 28. Oh, we must seek the Lord. To seek involves turning from our wicked ways. And by turning, finding mercy and pardon, the prophet calls for complete abandonment of our corrupt practices and unrighteous ways and evil thought. Oh, we see so much of that in America. We see, much, see so much of that on Wednesday. But God is calling us to abandon our corrupt practices and unrighteous ways and evil thoughts. Can't we just get along? Can't we live together in love and unity? We don't have to hate each other. We don't have to fight each other. We don't have to kill each other. We need to return unto him. He wants to bring peace. He wants to bring joy to this nation. To seek him in this fashion is to have all sort of our sins forgiven and abundantly pardoned. When we come to his mercy seat, we receive the benefit of all the Savior's suffering. We receive the promises in God's book, the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the inheritance of his kingdom. Are you listening to me this morning? Are you paying attention? Oh, let me call again. Let me join Isaiah. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man is fought. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy unto our God for he will abundantly pardon. He wants to pardon somebody this morning. I'm going to turn it to Pastor Ho to close it off. God's promises never fail. What a way to end. God's promises never fail. Amen. Amen. And, you know, think of one time when God's promises failed you. Has he ever promised something and not delivered? His promises never fail. 
And in Isaiah it says here, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. Verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I, the Lord, please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Because of the promises of God, we will be led forth in joy, having found redemption in Christ, whose power is greater than sin and Satan, having experienced the wonderful and mighty presence of God, we will walk in peace, we will walk in safety, and we will walk in triumph. Even the mountains and hills will sing his praises, and the trees of the field will clap their hands, applauding the deliverance we have found in Jesus. So what is God promising in, in chapter 54 and, and 55? In the NIV Quest Study Bible Notes, I wanted to point out a few things. It says there are two things primarily. A period when, a, when great trouble will come to God's people. And some of us could attest that it, that could be happening right now. We're seeing so many things that are happening great trouble that, that's coming to God's people. The second thing is, a later time when the problems will end and God will once again bless his people. Remember what I said earlier, that we will find trouble. We will have tribulation. In the world, we will have tribulation. But Jesus is saying, I have overcome the world. Yeah. Nearly deserted, Jerusalem will again be full of people. This is what uh, chapter 55 and 50, 54 and 55 are saying. It will go from poverty to wealth, humiliation to respect, weakness to power, captivity to freedom. I'll say that again, right? Here we find in chapter 54 and 55... It says that Jerusalem will go from poverty to wealth, humiliation to respect, weakness to power, captivity to freedom. These promises can also be understood in terms of a general principle for the people of God. Jerusalem can be a metaphor for those who serve God. When God's people drift from their commitment to him, they will face his judgment. Let me make it even more personal. When I drift from my commitment to God, I will face God's judgment. Let me come to your house, because this is very important that we understand. When you drift from your commitment to God, you 
will face judgment. You will face his judgment. But when we return to him, we will again experience God's blessing. Let me tickle your ear a little bit. Could it be that we're not experiencing God's blessing because we are not committed? Because we have drifted? The song says, I've wandered far away from God. But now, Lord, I'm coming home. It's time for us to come home. Have you been drifting? What does your commitment to God look like? It's time for us to return to God. Isaiah 54, verse 5 and 6 says, Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He's called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you. He's called you, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth, has called you. It's time for us to return to God. Senior Pastor, closing in prayer. Oh, Lord. We thank you for your words this morning. We thank you for speaking to us through the words of your prophet Isaiah. We are called this morning, if we are thirsty, that we can come. We are called this morning, if we have no money, that we can come by and eat. We are called this morning, O God, to let our soul delight itself in fatness. We ask that you will incline your ear this morning and come to us. O God, we ask you this morning that you will remember this nation. We ask, Lord, that you will remember us in your infinite mercy and wisdom. Help us to seek you this morning while you may be found. Help us to call upon you while you are near. Help us to forsake all wicked ways. Oh, let the righteous man his thoughts and help us to return unto thee for you will have mercy and you will abundantly pardon. Oh God, we ask you that you will remember us this morning in your loving kindness and in your tender mercies. Oh, great is your faithfulness this morning. Oh, God, morning by morning, new mercies we see. All that we have needed, your hand has provided. So we say, great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. We ask that, oh God, those who are listening this morning, that in your loving kindness, if we have turned our backs on you, that we will come back to you. Because that's the message you're calling. Soon the call will be over. Soon it will be too late. Oh, mercy will be gone. And judgment has come. 
Help us to pray. Help us to seek you while there is time. Remember all of us this morning. Remember this nation again. Oh, God, we see what happened um, a few days ago and what might still happen. But we ask for mercy this morning. We ask that you will visit this nation. We ask that you will visit every unbeliever. We pray that your hand of mercy will be stretched out this morning. Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, we pray, God, that we will not be so vile and wretched and blind and lost. Oh, because without thee we are lost. We are like a ship without a sail. But have mercy this morning. Speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to your church. Revive your children. Those who have lost the love. Those who never love you well. Those who fail to say yes to you. We pray, God, we are living in a sifting time. You're sifting out, God. Oh, yes, you have us in your heart this morning. And you're doing a sifting. We pray that all will come to know you. That all will turn to you this morning. Oh, righteous Father, bless us this morning and touch us. We pray for the president and the president-elect. Have mercy upon them, God. You see what's happening in our land. We pray for all our politicians. Some of them seem to be so ungodly and unrighteous. Oh, but we pray this morning that the peace of God, that the blood of Jesus Christ will run through the White House. Oh, God, will run, will run, will run where they are this morning, that they will know that in times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Help us to be very sure that our anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Thank you once again for your assurance this morning. Thank you once again for speaking to us this morning. Help us, Lord, that we will know that you will have compassion upon everyone. Thank you this morning. Have compassion upon all your people, we pray. And as you do so, give us compassionate hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray and we thank you and we praise you and we glorify you and we honor you for that which you have done already, for that which you're doing now, and that which you're about to do in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our Savior, we say amen and amen.